Thursday, the 14th of September. That's letter U for you people playing our home game. For you commodities trader, futures traders out there. One o'clock on the East Coast, Sky Dummy, Dan Nathan. It's Thursday. You know what that means. EY from SoFi will be joining us. And Butters, who was in like in Lake Michigan or Lake Winnipesaukee or Maybe. Lake Winnetonke or Lake Okeechobee. He was somewhere. He's not with us, but we got Butters. If it's Thursday, it's Butters. This market call is brought to you by FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. And of course, SoFi, get your money right all in one app. I wake up confused every day, Dan. Um, it's just, it's, it just happens. Sometimes I'm not sure where I am. So that is sort of a constant. But I'm more confused today because I got to tell you something. Given all the data we've seen over the last couple of years, and EY, I'm sure, will sort of echo this. If you had told me what would come out, I would have said, oh, S&P's down 80, handles easy. Yeah. But no, here we are, north of 4,500 again. Mm, yeah, the market looks like it wants to party here. I, 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 you know like that terminology. Wait, first, first things first, before we get to that, let's look at this two-shot for a second here. What should we do in the middle here, people? Kind of send in some ideas. We could we, do, we, we're no, we could on, do like, what are we doing? I could do shadow puppets. No, well, we could do that, but we're going to talk markets and everything like that. What should go there? We're going to probably put a screen up there. Yeah. There's probably going to be something like that. But if you have any ideas, if any of you guys, you know, have some good like feng shui ideas or something like that. Yeah, I love the feng shui. So, you you know, you put like goldfish in a certain room and then the bamboo. Yeah. And certain things have to face like Correct. east <clears throat> in the feng shui. Yeah. Um, so just any ideas there would be Look great Dan, as we're trying moving. to figure He's out. No, as we're trying to figure out this studio passes. here, we could probably use Liz's sensibilities on some of this from a design standpoint. But I think going back to you being confused every morning mm -hmm. when you wake up and we're talking about the markets here, you're talking about the data, you're saying to yourself, okay, how is it that bad data is good for the stock market? That's what you're saying here, I think, guys. Not only that, not only bad data, data is good for the stock market. But now with inflation seemingly rearing its ugly head, we'll talk about energy, but crude oils have, you know, you know, Liz wrote a whole note on inflation, August inflation. Yeah. Actually the whole thing. I mean, it's, it's on the it's, SoFi blog. And you got to read it. it I mean, we're, we're, we're going to put gonna, it in your inbox. Yeah. But again, crude, you talked about S and P partying. Well, guess what else has been partying? Yeah. The crude oil, oh, man, 90 bucks. I, I mean, listen, so it, it, it's, it's, listen, we have S and P that's moving up to the upper right. We have the VIX that's moving to the lower right. Mm -hmm. We have crude that's moving to the upper right. We have yields that seem to be stuck here on the 10 year at four and a quarter percent and stock market doesn't really mind. You know, I know that, you know, we had this great conversation with Carter yesterday and we're looking at, at yields and he's saying, listen, they're the exact same spot they were a year ago mm -hmm. when the S&P was, you know, down 20% from the current level. So listen, lots of stuff to be confused about. I think from here on out though, guy, you know, until the balance of the year, I, I, I've read some of the comments and stuff like that. People feel like I just kind of threw in the towel on the, the kind of bearish outlook. I know Danny Moses is prepping for our on the tape podcast that we're going to record in about an hour. And so he hears this, he's watching and he's he He's eating not, a turkey sandwich. He does not. Well, we had, we both had matzo ball soup for lunch. You right. know, yeah, we had a little matzo ball soup. We had from one of my favorite Jewish delis here in New York. That would be Sarge's Deli on the third. Sarge. Hour. Yeah, we got you a matzo ball soup, but you would not have it. Pass. It's not. Yeah, not, it's, I'm not hungry. I mean, I have a pickle. Something you know, pickles are good of, for you. Yeah, you know what's good pickles. for you? Believe it or not, pickles are very good for you. Coleslaw. There's coleslaw in there too. It's very good. Horseradish. Yeah. Is good for you. Um, Grapefruit. So the crude oil at 90, um, we have CPI picking back up a little bit. That's what we learned this, this yeah, week. We meaningful. have unemployment uh, ticking up a little bit, and we have wages ticking down a little bit. We have savings rates from consumers that the Doug McMillan over there at Walmart 
told us that the consumer's okay. You know, a lot of, lot of cross-cordance here. God, I just want to, I want to pick out one piece about that, that Doug McMillan comment, okay, about Walmart. He's saying that the consumer looks to be okay right Their now. Their consumer looks to be well, okay. Well, so here's a question I have for you. All year long, we've been talking about the trade down that we've yeah. seen in consumer and retail. Are they getting to a point where they just see a consumer they've never seen before? That's exactly right. And they, they feel like, all right, they're generally okay. They're coming here to shop for groceries. They're buying apparel. They're doing things that maybe it used to be a Walmart you know, um, shopper was really focused on their cheap pricing on you know certain things or whatever. They're seeing a consumer that they've historically never seen before. Yeah. So th- in this trade down from everything, I want to say the statistics suggest that North of 70% of Walmart's customers now earn north of $100,000 a year. So just think about that yeah. for one second. And yeah, Walmart's consumer seems fine. Walmart is winning. Danny Moses talked about Walmart two years ago. Yeah. And as we sit here today, Walmart's making an all-time high. The flip side of that equation is dollar gen, multi-year low. Dollar tree, multi-year low. Five below. Same thing. Throw Target in there, which is just a disaster. A lot of that is Target specific. But that's sort of flirting with a multi-year low. So yeah, Walmart's winning, but that doesn't mean the consumer is winning. It just yeah. means the consumer's changing. Yeah, I, I think that we're going to spend a lot of time over the next few months really kind of drilling down on the consumer and the health of the consumer. And I think it's going to have a lot to do with employment uh, or unemployment just kind of ticking back up because, you know, we're just starting to see, I think it was also Walmart, you know, we talked about it last week on the pod, um, you know, their starting salary, they're actually ratcheting a bit lower. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've talked about the stickiest parts of inflation and wage inflation is one of them. So, you know, a lot of big U.S. corporates have cut jobs and we haven't heard a lot about job cuts. We've heard some of the banks and you and I talked about it yesterday, maybe instituting some new cuts, maybe some of the ones that they do to call things down at the end of the year. Um, you know, it was big cap tech in the beginning of this year that were doing the major cuts, but they're still way above those pre-pandemic levels. They hired like crazy. So I guess my, my only point is, is like if we see wages on the low end start to kind of moderate their upward ascension, that might be a really difficult thing at a time we're seeing inflation pick back up. Well, it's going to suck for those people without question, because you're not getting the commensurate wage growth to combat inflation. You were sort of getting it for maybe a few month period of time, maybe a six month window of time. But that is going the wrong way right now. That really hurts the consumer. Wages are not keeping up with inflation. I've said it for a while. I think you're sort of on the fence about it. I know Danny agrees. Elizabeth agrees that this reacceleration of inflation in the fall Mm. is going to take hold. We clearly saw it with the latest numbers. And that's just not going to be a winning formula for the for the consumer. Yeah. And the one thing I'll say, bring it back to the stock market, and maybe we can throw up the chart of the S&P 500. It actually won't be good for corporate margins. I don't think so. If, if you know, companies have been able to pass through higher inflationary costs, higher input costs, because wages were going high and people were well employed. And if that changes, so, you know, to me, it goes back to, you know, what are we expecting for S&P earnings? You know, I think a lot of strategists have, you know, up, I don't know, high single digits year over year from 2023 to 2024. And, you know, you can do the math on the multiples here. Um, it seems pretty expensive, but that chart guy, if, if you didn't constructive, take, take out all the fundamental stuff as Carter would call it or whatever. And if you just looked at that, you know, you had that big drawdown. Yep. It worked its way back here. It broke out. It checked back. It's consolidating. You have an upward sloping 200 day moving average. There's support all over the place. Maybe, you know, 4,300 is as good as it gets. If, 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 if that's the, well, you know I, mean? I mean, again, the, the prior high that we saw in August of last year, we've talked about this a hundred times, 4,350 ish. Obviously we traded 
traded up there. We failed. We traded back through it. We tested it, bounced, seemingly tested it again, bounced, and here we are. So on time decay, that uptrend, that trend line that you see, lower left to upper right, that will obviously continue to slope higher. That will intersect with that prior high, and we probably, again, find that support now, not only in terms of that August high, but a trend line support of about 43.50 or so. So bulls will sort of hang their hat on that, rightly so. The chart looks great. The moving average, obviously, somewhere around 41.80. That will increase a couple mm-hmm. points a day. So maybe 4,200 is the ultimate support. But again, ask yourself, what are we rallying here on? I mean, really, I mean, today is it on the back we're of the ra- arm IPL? I mean, you explain it to me because we're, we're gonna it talk- doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense. You know, we're rallying on a soft landing. That's what we're rallying on. I mean, we're that, you know, I, I'm just saying. I mean, yeah. like, like, well, like I, I know that. It's, I don't mean to sound glib about it. I mean, like, that's it. You know, people feel like even if unemployment gets, you know, just below four percent and, and inflation's picking up a little bit off of that low print of three point one or whatever the heck it was or whatever, you know, maybe I, I really, you know, what I really believe that we are going to have a Fed that's going to readjust that inflation target and we look at real rates and, and stuff like that. I, I think we're going to, in the not so distant future, have a different mindset about those numbers. We're going to get away from that kind of 2% bound. I don't know, but you know what? We have somebody who's a bit smarter and less confused. Anybody than we us. bring in right now well, is yeah. going to be smarter. But, but in particular, that would be Liz Young. That would be EY from SoFi. She's the head market strategist over there. She was just out in California. She was. Is she still there or is she no, back? I have no back. idea. She's back. Look at her. I'm back. I got back at about 2.30 in the morning. Um, what's the name of that band? It was a rap fest. Huh? Wasn't it a, a rap fest on the beach, a, a, like a music fest? It was a hip hop. It was a wealth festival. Oh, it was a wealth festival. And I saw yes. like a stage and like a sound check for something. Yeah. There yeah, there, there were some musical acts. There were Red Man was there, Method Man. Method Man, Red Man, anything with a man was there. Method. Common was not there. He's a big rapper. Method oh, Man. He wasn't there. That was Method cool. Man, I think, is a um I think he is reggae. Isn't is that right, uh, Liz, or no? Uh well, had I gone to the concert. <laughs> no. We were out there. We saw we saw her on the halftime report. She H-T-R. was with our good friend Scott Wapner and TRB. That would be the uh Josh, the, the reform the, broker. The, so the T and TRB is for the, the so if you say the TRB, it's sort of a redundancy. Elizabeth. You've heard what we've just been talking about. Again, you know, I don't have a crystal ball clearly, but the numbers that came out, if you had told me last week, these numbers are going to come out the way they are, said, gee, Swiss, where's the S&P going to be? I would have said, I don't know, 4380, 4400. Here we are at 4505-ish. What makes sense to you? Because it clearly doesn't make sense to me. Well, you guys mentioned that I was going to be less confused. I I don't think that I am less confused, aside from maybe what Dan said, that the more days that go by and we don't have a recession, people just assume we're not going to have a recession. So here we are. We got a hotter than expected inflation report. I'm, I'm only laughing because I think it's irrational. We got a hotter than expected inflation report. We got now the second month in a row where inflation has gone back up. We're moving in the wrong direction. Even the measure that the Fed has invented their so-called super core accelerated this month. And yep. you've got transportation costs that went up. Everybody will just say, oh, that's just because of a pop in energy prices. That might be true, but energy prices haven't gone back down. So that means that transportation costs and energy are going to add to inflation again, probably next month. So this is not moving in the right direction. We didn't make it back down to target. 
it's very possible that the Fed does not hike next week. The market doesn't expect them to, and Jerome Powell does not like surprises. But this print and the expectation that it's going to continue to go higher leads me to believe that they may not be done, and they're not going to give us language that says they're definitively done. So at some point, the equity market still has to grapple with that, because what it likely means is that yields stay at this level, if not creep a bit higher. And I know we've talked about this on this program and on, on the tape, that if we start to get hotter than expected inflation reports, that 10-year probably goes up before it goes mm-hmm. back down. And that piece in particular going up, we have to remember how that bakes through the economy. It affects the availability of capital. It affects the rolling over. It affects the refinancing. And at some point, businesses just cannot sustain that. And there's a pretty big maturity well coming uh, into 2024 and 2025. No doubt. And, you know, I didn't look at it today, but the last I looked, the CME FedWatch tool suggests maybe, maybe a 10% chance of a hike. Maybe that's ratcheted up a bit, but here we are to your point. You know, Dan said something earlier that I think is interesting. And he said, and I'm paraphrasing, he can speak for himself, but the Fed might actually move the goalposts in terms of instead of a 2% sort of target, maybe they ratchet it up to 3% or something. Maybe, and maybe the market would champion that. I would look at that though, and the market maybe in the short term would love it, but they would say, you know what? It's clear that what they're telling us is they can't get there what they where they need to be. And I think in the long term, that's sort of negative. Sort of discuss that real quick if you could. Yeah, well, and and we've talked about this a few times before too. I would not see that as a positive, just because I think it sends the message that they've lost control and they no longer have the tools to control inflation. In theory and the concept itself of saying, okay, maybe inflation at 2% isn't realistic. Let's take it up to 25 or 3% and be okay with that. I don't know that that's a huge issue. We've obviously been dealing with it for a while, and I think they could probably get away with justifying it and saying the economy is strong enough, growth is still strong, the consumer is still strong, we can withstand 25 to 3% inflation for a while. And the economy has proven that. They can probably get away with that statement. However, The issue that I think still remains is if we haven't gotten a handle on it, and we still are facing this whack-a-mole situation, right? We've got goods prices that came down, food prices have fallen, used car prices have fallen, that's fine, but energy prices have gone back up, shelter is still up, and every time we turn around, there's something else that's come back into the forefront and continues to be a problem. So you got to go back and remember what happened late 70s, early 80s. They thought they had it under control. They didn't have it under control and it spiked right back up afterwards. So that's what I think the bigger risk is here. And you don't want to hear a message that says, eh, we can't really control it. We haven't completely fixed it. So we're going to just kind of leave it here at a higher level. I think at, at worst, it spikes back up. And even at best, it just continues to take a bigger and bigger bite out of the consumer. Well, I I just think that the stock market moving the way it is uh, to the upside here with inflation picking back up, if we're all confused, I mean, to me, what makes sense here, Liz, is that two and a half, three percent. I mean, when you think about where Fed funds is and when you think about where they have to raise and you think about what real rates is, right? So, I, I mean, that... You know, you tell me what's the average, you know, 10 year yield that we've seen over the last 30 years. You know what I mean? It's somewhere about two and a half percent or something like yeah, that. Right. right. Or so. So to me, that's, I guess, supportive of equity. I'm not making a bullish argument. I'm just I'm trying to figure out why 
equity investors are not particularly bothered with what might be a five, seven, five on Fed funds. You know what I mean? And it just might be that, you know, guy, you've been saying it for 10 years. I've listened to you on the set of Fast Money talking about how fugazi the CPI is. If you think about, you know, you think about healthcare and mm-hmm. you think about education and you think about all the other things. So I, I don't know, you know, again, like, then I just go back and I think about, okay, if deglobalization is real and reshoring and all this sort of stuff, I mean, man, that is inflationary. And, and 100%. I think so, so at the end of the day, the acknowledgement that 2% doesn't make sense and the uh, changing, in, you know, you know, geopolitical and, and whatever the heck you want to talk about, then, then once they move the goalposts, it's kind of done. I mean, then you start using different inputs to calculate valuations on equities. I mean, like that's the way I see it. All right, Liz, you spent some time on your note on the uh, SoFi blog this morning. It's out. You guys could find it there. We'll put it in the show notes there, people. And you're, you're basically saying long live the inflation king. I mean, talk to us a little bit about this. I mean, we just, you know, what, what are you thinking about? Because I, I also really find your note interesting because when you think about your customer and the SoFi customer in particular, you try to speak to them the way normal people would talk about this sort of stuff about pricing and everything like that. So break it down to us. Talk to a guy and me like we're idiots. Okay. Like that's what well, that, like. for me, that's easy to do. I was going to say, is that me pretending? Yeah, there we go. We, <laughs> uh, hold on. I just want to say one more thing about the last piece of the conversation that we had. If they raise that target and say, all we're trying to do is normalize policy, normalize the environment, because what we've gone through for the last 10 to 15 years of ZERP was not normal. That is a logical justification. But then you have to follow that all the way through and say, okay, if we're going to normalize rates and the 10 year is normally at two and a half, three percent, fine, it stays there. Inflation right around that same level. Then we have a, a good expectation of what the neutral rate would be and what they would cut to. You also have to normalize equity valuations. You have to normalize what the PE ratio would be at those levels. And that's what's out of whack with this. So you have to, you can't stop the concept, right? And I'm not saying you guys, I mean, investors that are saying the equity market should continue to go up or that it's justified at these levels. You can't stop the concept at stock prices and say, oh, but they should still be that high. Okay. Anyway, long live the inflation king. So you're right. I do write these for our member mostly And our member mostly is, they're just consumers, right? They aren't people in finance. They aren't people that are reading Bloomberg every single day. They are consumers. They're working in a myriad of different industries, most of them not working in finance. So it's important to focus on that and what they are facing on a daily basis. Some of the points that I made in this piece are points that I've made before. One of which that is very, very frustrating for me, if not hilarious at this point, is that we just keep coming up with all these different measures of inflation and even core included. We can talk about the fact that core is the real target. Core is what the Fed focuses on. That's fine. Core removes food and energy. Consumers can't remove food and energy from their lives. And now we've got this super core measure that also removes shelter. Okay, not realistic. You can't live in America and say, okay, you know what? Prices are too high on food. Let's stop eating. You can't say gas prices are too high. Let's stop going to work. And you certainly cannot say shelter is too expensive. Let's go live in the car, right? These are not realistic measures. So keeping in mind that at some point, because the consumer is such a big part of our economy, at some point, these higher prices that have stayed high and are still growing 
will take a bite out and will show their effects in consumer spending. I recognize that has clearly not happened yet because I think a lot of the spending in certain parts of the economy is still happening on credit and credit has not broken. But this stuff will at some point show itself in the spending data, in the lending data, and in credit spreads, in my opinion. So going through all these different measures, I think there a lot of them are a way to explain away the fact that inflation is still high and inflation is still a problem. This story is not over. This problem is not solved. And I still think the Fed is in a really tough spot. Can I throw an Uncle Charlie to Elizabeth, a yacker? Doug Katz is watching. Elizabeth knows what this is. That would be a curve ball. By the way, I got to say something. Burt Blylevin in the day had one of the nastiest uh, Uncle Charlies I've ever seen. I mean, just ridiculous. Fell off the table. But here's my curveball to you, Elizabeth. So dig in for a second. Okay. Are you, I'm making a big deal in my head and in my commentary about this Walmart trading at an all-time high when the dollar stores, dollar den, dollar gen, dollar tree, five below, all making multi-year lows. And it's great for Walmart, but it really speaks volumes about what's happening. People are going from trading down to dollar gen. Now they're trading down from dollar gen. That doesn't paint a particularly rosy picture, I think, for the consumer. Thoughts on that? Right. Well, up until this point, I think the consumer hasn't been all that sensitive to some of these pricing pass-throughs, right? And we've seen that in the revenue numbers for companies, and it hasn't shown cracks. There's another thing, and, and I'll give credit to Jeffrey Gunlock for this, because he said this at the Future Proof conference. We've talked on this program about credit card debt and how much it has increased. And, and I just made the point that Yes, consumers have kept spending, but I'm guessing that a lot of that spending has also occurred on credit cards or in other cases, maybe personal loans or in some way leverage. We talked about HELOCs a few weeks ago too. The credit card balances had been on this really steady, if not very fast climb higher, and they recently leveled out. They didn't necessarily go down, but they leveled out. So pair that with the idea that consumers are trading down, right? looking for more bargain prices, being careful about what they're spending. Now, maybe they've even stopped spending as much on their credit cards. I don't think that is a great sign either. And it's one of those things where I ask myself this all the time. In six months, when we look back on this period and this particular data, will we say to ourselves, oh, it was so obvious or, oh, that was the warning sign. And I think some of the stuff that we're talking about, although it hasn't come out in the data that affects growth yet, it hasn't come out necessarily in the stock market, some of this data is what I think we will look back on and say, there it was. That was the canary in the coal mine. Yeah, we, we talked about this yesterday, Liz. I mean, you know, if you think if there's not a, a, a decent resolution to this UAW thing, United you know, Auto's work. So that's, thing. what if time is it? One yeah, o'clock. So it's, we're talking about 11 yeah. hours. If from there's now. not a decent resolution to the potential for a government shutdown at the end of the month, I mean, just think of the things. Think about next month, students who have not been paying back their debt um, for three years or so have to start figuring out how to do that. You know, I, I feel like that's the stuff. I mean, I, I, you know, again, I was being a little cavalier about why the, 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 the market's moving higher in, in the face of all this stuff, but man, there are, there are things out there. And if you look at a 13 VIX and I know the curve suggests something different, but a 13 VIX is just like, Oh, you know, and here's another thing. Let's pull up that S and P chart one more time. So if you think, um, you know, 
like 13 VIX, okay? Right now, I just want to give you a sense of what the market is pricing between now and next Friday, okay? So that would be September 22nd. That's going to incorporate the uh, Fed meeting on the 20th, where Guy just mentioned the CME Fed Fund uh, tracker tool is suggesting, what, an 8% chance of a 25 basis point hike. Okay, right now, the at-the-money straddle in the SPY, it's ETF that tracks the S&P 500. What is the straddle? It's the call premium and it's the put premium. You put that together, that's your straddle. It's about five and a half dollars on 450. Okay, so it's a $450 ETF. If you wanted to buy the at the money call and the at the money put, and that's just betting on movement, okay, that's 550. Okay, you need a rally of at least $5.50 or a decline of $5.50 if you bought the at the money straddle and next Friday's close, that's one and a quarter percent. Doesn't that seem really cheap, guy? And, and so here's the other thing. If you just wanted to buy a put because you think the market's going lower, you're paying less than 1% to do that over the next six trading days with a Fed meeting. I just think there's a lot of complacency out there. And Doug Cass put out a note again, and I don't want to blame things, you know, try to find reasons for, but these zero data expiry options are clearly skewing everything yeah. that you're talking about in terms of all and where the VIX is and all these different things. So, yes, I agree with you, but there's so many factors at work here that are seemingly keeping this market um, buoyant. But we'll see. We will see. Let's talk a little bit for a second because you, you referenced some of the data. Um, so some of the retail sales data, um, you know, okay, we see it. Um, you know, the, here's the headline from Bloomberg. Uh, U.S. retail sales producer prices jump on rising energy costs here. So there's something good. There's something bad maybe in there a little bit. Look at this XRT, the ETF that tracks the retail sector. I mean, it really acts horribly. I mean, it Huge really acts like it's going right to break down. Here. We're not even going to show the XLY because that is the uh, consumer discretionary ETF. And we know that a huge chunk of that is, um, you know, is Tesla and is Amazon and there's different things going on there. But like, again, big support here. Guy, you mentioned all of those low-end retailers. Throw in a bunch of the um, department stores. They act horrible. You know, Chewy is another one. And I said this in a very, again, cavalier manner. Uh, I think it was about two weeks ago when they reported and guided in the stock. I think it was trading down 15% or so. And I thought you could buy it for a bounce. That stock has not, maybe no they bounce. can pull that up. CHD. WY. And if you look at it on a, you know, a max basis, it went public a few years ago. Um, it is literally at its all-time lows. And I thought we talked about it on Fast Money there. And I, Liz, you have a cat, you have Biddy. Um, people don't chintz out on, on, on stuff for their for their pets. And it seems like they are. There was an article in the journal, I think, earlier this week talking about consumers trading down for stuff for their pets. And all you got to do is look at that Chewy chart, if we could get that, and it'll tell you everything we need to know. Yeah, we can't. We have we have some technical issues oh. in terms of life, but that's fine. It it, it it actually surprises me. I knew that Elizabeth had a cat, but anytime that I hear that people have cats, it <laughs> it gets things spinning. But that's I use I use Chewy yeah. for her. I do, um, but she weighs eight pounds and doesn't eat very much, so she doesn't cost me a lot of money. And I have long believed that two of the most recession-proof industries are pets. And weddings because people will just spend and the profit margins in both of those are pretty big. So the fact that something like Chewy is seeing stress, I think, uh, is nothing to ignore. The retail stocks, and, and there's a question here from Ryan, what data will first show consumers are tapped out? Wow. Um, I'm going to wrap this all into that. First of all, Ryan, what we don't talk about enough is delinquency rates. So that's what I would be watching, that they're tapped out. So you start to see delinquencies increase beyond 60 days and then they increase beyond 90 days. And the reality is that once a delinquency is beyond 90 days, you're probably not recovering it. So it, watching those, and they have been on a steady grind up. They're not at concerning levels yet, but delinquencies uh, have 
grinded upwards. So you're seeing a little bit of a deterioration in credit there. But what you'll see before you actually see data that the consumer has tapped out is weakness in the labor market. And we talked earlier about, or, or Guy and Dan talked earlier about wage growth. Really, the only way to cut wage growth is to cut workers. You don't go back to people and say, okay, you know what? Inflation is down. We are going to cut your salary because you no longer should make that much money. So in order to bring wage growth down, you do end up having to cut actual jobs. So watching these jolts numbers fall, the next kind of carry-on effect is that companies will have to actually cut jobs. And we're already hearing some announcements of that. But the retail data, so retail spending data was pretty healthy today, right? Came in above expectations, but retail stocks are still, they can't get out of their own way. And I would almost compare this to banks Banks have not traded well. I think that both of these groups, maybe semiconductors too, but both of these groups, retail stocks and banks, this is a time where you got to take it back to basics. The market is a forward-looking mechanism. If it believes that the consumer is going to see stress, people are not going to pile into retail stocks. If it believes that there's credit deterioration coming, people are not going to pile into banks. So I would not ignore these two industry groups uh, not trading well, even when we have rallies. I think that that is a pretty bad sign. Yeah, let's look at the semiconductor space. You just mentioned it, and, and Guy mentioned earlier this ARM, which just went public this morning at fifty-one bucks. It's got, um, it's up nearly twenty percent. Um, so it priced at fifty-one, um, up twenty percent. So it's gained close to ten billion dollars in market cap mm -hmm. from the IPO pricing. Again, maybe some of these equity capital market deaths are not, uh, you know, they, they, they're not, uh, they're a little out of practice, guy. They haven't had a big IPO in a long time here. Um, but that's a nice one-day pop. I do think it's interesting, guy, that Intel and AMD are, are underperforming. NVIDIA is also unchanged on the day. So maybe some folks in the semiconductor space make it a little room um, for their That's arm right. in their portfolio. But guys, look at this SMH chart. And, 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 you know, when you look at this ETF that tracks the sector, we know that NVIDIA and Taiwan Semi are huge components um, of it. You know, still very constructive. I mean, it's just consolidating here. And especially when you consider the fact that, you know, NVIDIA has not given a lot back here. Um, you know, Intel joined the party recently. Taiwan Semi's got gotten back on its horse a little bit. I mean, the space looks constructive. You look at that chart and it looks hauntingly <laughs> similar to the S&P chart. I don't think it's coincidental. Yeah, it's very constructive. I mean, it looks great until it doesn't look great. And again, I would. it would be great if you could make a compelling case for these names on valuations, but the largest components of this ETF are all very expensive. So the littlest thing could really change the entire trajectory of this yeah. and you got to be concerned and arm i'm sure you know everybody's waxing poetic about arm i'm sure it's an amazing company i was listening to the ceo earlier said they, their ecosystem is unrivaled in the history of mankind i'm paraphrasing doesn't mean the valuation is reasonable yeah. i mean at this at this market cap you can do the math. It's probably trading 25, 30 times earnings. Yeah, I want to correct something here. So we just had the SMH chart. Let's put it back up here. And we talk about the consolidation over the last few months or so. You know, when you think about the components and we know that NVIDIA and its yeah. gains has been a huge part of it, you know, actually... Taiwan Semi is down about 18% from its recent highs. I know we don't have live charts right now, um, but that's actually really interesting. When you think about NVIDIA is the largest holding at about 21%, Taiwan Semi is about 10%, and Intel's after that at 5%, Broadcom 5%, LAM Research. Without Taiwan Semi performing at all over the last few months, this thing's consolidating. It just shows you how important that NVIDIA, NVIDIA is to that. And then you know, in, Intel you know, rallying 20% over the last you know month or so is probably pretty helpful. Liz, thoughts? 
thoughts on semis here? Because um, if, if it really is just NVIDIA doing all of the heavy lifting, it seems like a dangerous setup in the space, despite what the charts say. Yeah, well, I think NVIDIA did do all the heavy lifting and, and not necessarily in a, the wrong way. I mean, they were certainly the most optimistic about AI and you Results have been positive. Guidance has been increased. All of that. It seemed like there was fundamental support for that. But anytime you have an ETF, an industry group, or a market at large that is heavily dependent on a handful of names, in this case, maybe just one name in particular, you're at risk. So you have to be careful about that. And I know we've talked about this in the last couple of weeks, but when you chart semiconductors versus software, software being the less cyclical component of tech or of that group, uh, you see that software has come back into the forefront and semis have fallen below. So that's a time when you don't want to really get bowled up on the one that has crossed over below uh, because it probably has a little bit more to go before it feels oversold and, and is set for a bounce. All right, Liz, we really appreciate you popping in here. We know you've had a heck of a week. Before uh, she goes, two yeah. things. Somebody said we should live stream um, you watching a Packer game, which I'm all for. I think that'd be a lot of fun. The emotion, <laughs> that one would not be. Emotion. Yeah, that would not be a family show. That would. And I'm going to say this, Elizabeth, and maybe somebody in the chat will know what this is. You ready? Yeah. Because this this harkens to her note. Ready for this? Yeah. Down at Astoria, the scene was changing. Bingo and Rock were pushing out X rating. Anybody know what that is? Nope. First person in the chat that gets that right, I don't know. We'll give send them a water bottle. Send them a water bottle. Yeah. But that it has something to do with your note. I'm just throwing it out okay. there. I know you don't know, and no I know idea. that Dan doesn't know. Although Dan should know, but somebody in the chat clearly should. Well, I'm going to learn when they get it in the chat. All right, um, Liz, if you get it, it's, you know where to send the email to contact at riskreversal.com. Ask Amanda Diaz for a market call water bottle. I've got a lot of bottles, guys. Victoria, the scene was changing. Bingo and Rock were pushing out X rating. Yeah, I don't know. 1979, if that helps you at all, Dan. Dan doesn't care. I, I don't. All right, Liz, thanks so much. Um, all right, guys, let's do it's this. It's one of the great songs by the... A lot of people don't realize what a great song that is from that band. By the way, one of my top five favorite bands well, of all time. You introduced this because we got to make it clean. We got to make we got to make it clean. Yeah. All right. So if it's Thursday, we get a preview of John Butters. He's the earnings as John Butters, yes. senior earnings insight analyst over there at FactSet. And if it's Thursday, we get a preview of his earnings insight blog that drops on Fridays on the FactSet blog. You can check it out. We'll put it in the show notes. You can actually sign up and get it in your email box every Friday morning. I certainly do. Okay, guy, here's what he's talking about. Buy ratings mm -hmm. on the S&P 500 stocks. And I find this really interesting. People often wonder, why do you guys care about such things? You know, ratings changes and the like here. And to me, I think it's a great gauge of sentiment. And, you know, for years, you've heard things like whisper numbers and the like here. So you have investors on the buy side and they run their own numbers and they rely on companies like FactSet who compile a lot of the estimates from all the analysts and they figure out what they think a company is going to report on all the important metrics. Right. And then you have the consensus of the sell side. Those are all the analysts at the brokerage firms that mm -hmm. have ratings and they put price targets based on earnings estimates and all the like. OK, well, here you go. When they shift them, sometimes they move stocks. Right. And so sometimes if the buy side has a different view than the sell side, do, that's how you get some of these huge gaps like we saw in NVIDIA, for instance. Right. When when everyone's not lined up. So 
I think this is interesting, guy. Overall, 54.4% of the ratings of the S&P 500 stocks are buy ratings. Mm-hmm. This percentage is slightly above the five-year average of 54.3. Well, that's not that interesting. Since the end of June, the overall percentage of buy ratings has dipped slightly to 54.4 from 54.8. So you're seeing a slight, slight move. Okay. Now, I think that, that that probably changed a whole heck of a lot last year because we know that a lot of analysts got very pessimistic. What do, how do you take this sort of data and these sorts of changes? So it's moving? interesting. I, I I can't speak to each shop. There are no hard and fast rules yeah. in the community. But for a lot of houses, I think they've told analysts that, you know, for every buy, you know, you have to have some sort of measured look across your sector. Mm-hmm. So you can't have 10 stocks and 10 buys mm-hmm. within that 10 stock sector of semiconductors, for example. Maybe you could have six buys, two holds and two underperforms, something yeah. like that. So the world has changed slightly. It surprises me, this number, that it's not higher. If you had asked me, what do you think the number of buy ratings in a percentage terms is? I would have said probably closer to 65 percent. That's clearly not the fact. But I think your point about what it speaks to in terms of sentiment is spot on. And is the market behind the curve or analysts behind the curve? So if you start to see this ratchet up, I don't know if that's a contraindicator or not, but it's something you should well, definitely watch. That chart right there shows you they were behind the curve. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of buys a year ago, and they just kind of like followed the stocks down with their downgrades. But this is the area that you actually might find most interesting about this note, Kai. The energy sector sector has the highest percentage buy rating, 64%, while the consumer staple sector has the lowest at 45%. Talk to me about those two sectors and why you think that's happening here. And, and you've been all over the energy trade, and you're saying these are better run companies yeah. in, in a different environment than over the last 10 years or so. And maybe it, it seems to be at a consensus trade among a lot of investors that we talk to. It's really hard to find people who are bearish of energy. Yeah, sector. well, it's interesting. 64% goes back to what I thought yeah. it would be for the overall market, but it does make sense because, you know, you can't speak, you can't basically broad brush the entire space. But the stocks that we talk about, generally speaking, are still extraordinarily reasonable on valuation. The big cap integrated names, these oil services names, specifically Schlumberger and Halliburton, even a Valero, which is within a whisper now in an all-time high, is actually somewhat reasonable on valuation. And I get it. People say, you know what, valuations in the energy space are overrated 100%. What I will say, though, is I still think the analyst community is probably behind the curve in energy because I think you're going to continue to see this ratcheting of the commodity. And I think, to your point, these are better-run companies than they were five years ago, 10 years ago, because they had to be, because they were under the microscope of ESG. You had that minus $39 front-month print in crude oil four mm-hmm. years or so ago. And I'll say this again, and this is not political. I believe this. The third best thing that happened in the energy space was this administration. I know that sounds somewhat counterintuitive, but these stocks are really, I think, up for an, an additional run into year end and early next year. So yeah, I love the energy space. And I think that 64% could probably start to tick higher. Yeah. Lastly here, the communication services has gone from 59% from 61% and industrials to 49% from 51%. So two percentage points lower for each of them. Um, uh, and the sectors have seen the largest 
clients since June 30th. Okay, so you see that kind of analysts are getting a little bit more bearish on communication services and industrials. Uh, very interesting on the industrial front. Maybe that's something to do with cyclical, late cycle, you know, all that sort of stuff here. So, all right, thanks to John Butters. You love guys Butters. know where you love Butters. You know where to find the Earnings Insight blog. He is the senior earnings insight analyst over there um, at FactSet. You can have that that delivered to your inbox. Um, all right, guy, we covered a lot of ground today. Do that one thing if you like what you saw, because I'm I screw that up. Like smash the like button, subscribe yeah. to Risk Reversal. Oh, let's do that. Favorite podcast. Okay, all that if you're stuff. watching, you're good this, at this. If you're I, watching, this stuff is so beyond my really? scope. You're so good at it, though. You're no, but this part about it, because I don't really understand like smashing like buttons. Well, here's the and thing: subscribing okay? and subscribe. If you're not, if you just found us and you're watching us on YouTube right now, subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's growing quite That's just, you there. literally just press a button. Yeah. You don't have to pay for anything. You don't have to smash anything, actually. You just literally press the button right. and say subscribe. Okay. Yeah. And then we also gently look at this. And we also, we also put these in the smash podcast store. Button. So go to your favorite podcast store, yeah. look up Market Call. That's M R K T Call. Subscribe there and get the audio version of that. Yeah. Yeah. Smash the shit out of that like yes. button. I don't know why it's fun to say. Yeah. I don't know. Is that it? That's it By the us. way, does this help you? We were the first band to vomit at the bar and find the distance to the stage too far. Mm-mm. No, I, I don't know. My head's blank. I, it's just had a, you're not interested. No. What was, I bet you you're, I bet Somebody, you the Pearl Jam does someone. a cover of that. Okay. Long Live Rock, 1979, The Who. Yeah. That's well, a Pete Townsend know, Eddie song. Vedder, Eddie Vedder is a massive Who fan. As he should be. Yes, he is. And do you I think, think one of his idols is Pete Townsend. Do you think uh, uh, reciprocated? Do you think The you Who? know who's going to see Pearl Jam tomorrow night? I didn't tell you this. Eddie, um, Pete Townsend? This guy. Where are they playing? Fort Worth. Texas? Yeah. That's not, I was we're in New York be, right now. I was now. supposed to be at a friend's 50th because of the storm. It was on a coast. What storm? There's a huge storm coming. This Hurricane Lee. That's out. That's out in the Atlantic. I, well, I was supposed to be out in the Atlantic. You're gonna be like Bermuda no, on a boat on uh, uh, Nantucket. I was supposed to go to Nantucket yeah. for my. Oh, that's problem. You know, it got, it our got friends canceled. in Nantucket. BK's out in Nantucket. I know, and he was telling me yesterday. He was like, "I'm not gonna see you because your party's not happening because this place is locking down." Yeah. So they canceled the party, and you know what I'm gonna do? I'm go gonna to go to Fort Worth, Texas. I'm going west, young man, to yeah, see I'm the gonna, Pearl Jam. Yeah, and then I'm, is that know, a direct flight to Fort Worth? Yeah, dude. It's it's called Dallas. It's DFW Airport. You've been there. So you ready for this? This is epic, people. You guys are going to enjoy this. So I'm going to see Pearl Jam in Dallas. I'm uh-huh. coming back on Sunday. My wife is coming uh-huh. with me. Coming back on Sunday, we're going to see Foo Fighters at Asbury Park. Oh, I Park love the Foo Fighters on the beach. And then you know where I'm going on Tuesday? Hold on, hold on. You're going to see Stone Temple Pilots. No, I'm going to Austin, Texas. Going back to. I'll Texas. stop for a second. So you're flying to Texas tomorrow. Yep. Fort Worth, Texas. Yep. Dallas DFW. DFW. Dallas Fort yep. Worth. Yep. And you're going to see. Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam. Then you're going to come back to Sunday s- to see the Foo, Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters. In that's, that, Park. that's that Dave Grohl yep. guy. And then on Tuesday. And then you're flying back to Texas. Yep. To Austin. My uh-huh. brother's meeting me there. It's going to be our birthday. Uh-huh. We're gonna, uh, it's our 51st birthday. Mazel guy. tov. Mazel, as our people say. And what is, what is and that? I'm going to come back Wednesday morning. Okay, but what's, what's that Tuesday? That's Pearl Jam. Again. Yeah. So Pearl Jam, Foo Fighters, Pearl the Jam. The first time I saw Pearl Jam, 1995. In Austin, how about that? In September of so you're 1995, putting a bow on this thing. I'm putting a bow on it. It's my 20th show mm-hmm. since 1995. Yeah, I love the Pearl Jam. 
Yeah. Last kiss. Danny and I went to, Danny and I. So the last two weeks of the on the tape podcast that we uh-huh. do with Danny Moses and obviously Liz on Mondays, the last two Friday episodes we've had. Better Man was two weeks ago. Yeah. We had Wishlist. Sure. Okay. Last week, those are both Pearl Jam right. songs. Mm-hmm. I think today can we come up with another Why Pearl not? Jam one? And then and then we're just going to kind of complete. The, I'll the come one. up because I know. Can the you Pearl do that? Jam can thing. you do that? I will. I'll okay. think about. Uh, it. We'll talk about it a little bit. Uh, that's it. That's it. Did anybody, Amanda, you can come in my ear and tell me if anybody told us if that was, if they got that song correctly, somebody out there needed to know that was the who, by the way, that's a great album. That album. I'm just, we got three people, three people. What's the rest of you dipshits? You didn't, you couldn't figure it out. You couldn't go to your Google machine and then type it in, but that's it for market call. I want to thank Elizabeth young. (laughs) EY from SoFi. I want to thank butters. John butters. It's just butters. I'm sorry. No, no, no. But you know something like it's just butters. Uh, what's Cher's first name? Cher. What's her last name? You don't know. Madonna. You know what her last name is? Probably not. No. Sting. Sting what? Yeah. Sting nothing. I mean, some people just know True. that that's Pele. Tell me about Pele. You yeah. know his last name? Nope. No, of course you don't. It's the same thing with butters. That all you got to say is butters. People walk down the street. Butters. I was walking down. The, what what street are we on here? 18th Street. Yeah. These two guys, they were just, it's like Danny Moses talks to himself. These guys were talking to themselves. They were saying butters. I don't know. We've created this huge thing for him. Hey, by the way, um, on Monday, Guy, you and I are going to be doing on Sirius XM Business Channel 132 yeah. at noon, as noon, we do every Monday. every Monday at noon, 844-942-7866. That's the number to call in. We, we, we do the market call there. Okay, you can call in. Talk to us. Talk to Guy about his Giants. They're going to be 0-2. I don't know about that. They play Arizona. They're out west. That would be, gonna dis- write that would be an absolute disaster if they lose there. Jets are in Dallas. When Sunday? You should come here to go to um, the Jet game. No, I'm not because oh, I'm coming you're back to go to New Foo, Jersey. To see, 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 I wonder who's at MetLife. It, both, it was weird. Because Sunday night football, sure. Giants were at MetLife. Sure. Monday night football, the Jets were at MetLife. And this weekend, nobody, Nobody's no, no football teams are there. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe there could like be some, a big concert, some there. soccer match we'll or something. All right, that's it. I think we're well, just... no butters. So I want to thank FactSet Financial Data and Analytics, powered, powered by, by tomorrow. tomorrow. Tomorrow, of course, is Friday. Yeah, you'll be on a plane to DFW. But if you take out your iPhone and you pull out your SoFi app, you can get your money right, all in one app. I said thank you, Elizabeth Young. SoFi, get your. I like. I like that. Get and I do the. I do the hesitation. Yeah. Like you know when I do CME Group, yeah. where risk. Meets opportunity. Meets opportunity. SoFi, get your money right all in one app yeah. at your favorite application store. Yeah. That's it. Amanda's uh, like, stop it, please. please stop. All right. There, oh, you three people. Oh, you three people are getting water bottles. It's like Oprah. You get a water bottle. You get a water bottle. See, that's you all you got to do to participate. Yeah. Send your ad. Jam up Amanda's inbox with your, or right? Is that right? Is that what you do? Yeah. Listen, guys, if you go in and you leave market call, leave some reviews on the market call in the podcast store, take a screenshot of it. Okay. Take a screenshot of it. Send it to Amanda, contact at risk reversal, you know.com, and we'll send your water bottle. Exactly. Yeah. Do it for that, for on the tape, okay, computer, all three of those. You get a water bottle. Do that. And I know Eddie Vedder's a fan. Eddie, good concert tomorrow for Dan. I can't wait. See you later, Eddie, folks. I'll see you down there. Thanks. Uh-huh.